Can I invite you uh, to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans, the letter to uh, the church at Rome, Romans chapter 3, big chapter in the Bible, Romans chapter 3, and uh, we're going to cast our eyes down to verse 19, Romans chapter 3, verse 19, and just with uh, God's word open before us, let's pray together. Our Father, these um, are your words. You have given them to us. Give us insight and understanding. Open our eyes that we can see the truth, uh, what you're saying to us. And may uh, the Holy Spirit apply it to our hearts and may we live in the light of it. We pray in our Savior's name. Amen. Romans 3, uh, verse 19, and God's word says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. If you had a a job um, updating the Oxford English Dictionary, I wonder how hard you would expect to be working. There was a time um, when I imagine you wouldn't have been that busy year on year at your work, but not anymore, not anymore. Because we live in a fast-moving and fluid and flexible modern world, and that includes the words that we use. Each year, there are new words added uh, to this, uh, the Oxford English Dictionary, all of the dictionaries, in fact. There are many others available. Um, This year, it was um, words like cancel culture, staycation, do you know what that is? Virtual assistant, That's an Alexa or a Google Home Hub or something like that, you know, those sort of things. But um, in addition to new words, there were also plenty of old words that were revised or given a new sense, as they put it, more officially. Let's take an example. Think about the word bubble. The word bubble, um, well, it, it still does, but it used to just mean a thin sphere of liquid enclosing air or another gas. Uh, Also, a good or fortunate situation that is isolated from reality or unlikely to last. You're in a bubble. But of course, last winter, it meant something different, didn't it? It meant a small, clearly defined group of people that agree to limit their close social contacts to only those inside the unit. Or as um, someone I heard said, um, his wife has more bubbles than a bottle of Schlur. Uh, So that's what uh, he thought about the system last winter. (laughs) But anyway, uh, words can have new 
meanings, isn't that right? That's part and parcel of the development of language. It's why it's necessary to have, I would argue, new, a new version of the Bible every number of certainly decades as language changes meaning. Certainly if you want to, if you want to communicate with those who haven't grown up going to church, suffer the little children to come unto me probably hasn't the same meaning that it used to as um, much of an affinity as I have with the King James Bible, uh, although we can probably still figure that, that word out. But it, it is also something that requires us to be careful. God gave us words, and so those words are very important, vital, in fact. But words can change meaning and sense, so we need to sometimes take stock to check that the words accurately explain what God communicated in those original languages when the Bible was received. And also, and also to remind ourselves that Christianese, as it were, may be misunderstood by others. There may be words that we say that actually seal right over the head of people that we're trying to reach, or the children of our church, in fact, or even ourselves. And so we embark on a series these Sunday evenings called Big Words. And tonight we want to talk about something central to the Christian faith. Something that is not just a matter of life and death, but as an old football man once said, much more important than that. Something with eternal significance. And it's the big word tonight, justification. And as we read Romans 3, well, there are more than one, there's more than one big word in there that we'll probably come to in time, but it's, it's, it's contained in it, isn't it? And to explain justification, I want to introduce you to three men. Uh, one is a man uh, who lives in the Old Testament. Uh, his, uh, his name is Job. Uh, he, he asks many questions. In fact, there are more than 300 questions in the book with his name on it. But the most important question is found in chapter 9, verse 2. But how can a person be justified before God? That's what it says in the Christian Standard Bible. How can a person be justified before God? The second man I want to introduce you to is a monk in the 16th century called Martin. He is a top monk. He shuts himself away for study and the quiet life like you've never seen. He plunges into prayer and fasting and every imaginable ascetic practice. In other words, he goes without sleep. He spends time outside, enduring the bone-chilling cold, sleeping out in the open without a blanket to show his worth, to prove his worth. He was later to say that if anyone could have earned heaven by monkery, it was I. But Martin has a problem. One big question still haunted him. Was it enough? Was it enough? Was all he, he had done enough to make him right before holy God? One day he was studying the book of Romans that we read from tonight. And he read these words in chapter 1. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. The third man I want to introduce you to is an Anglican missionary called John. He wasn't the best missionary candidate you've ever met because he wasn't sure of his own salvation. He lives in London and one night in a place called Aldersgate, 
There is a society meeting together, like many societies had sprung up in his day, and they're meeting together and they're reading Martin's book on Romans. And at about a quarter to nine, when the man at the front was describing the change that God works in the heart by faith, John says that he felt he did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and assurance was given him that this had occurred. Justification is what we're speaking about tonight. What is justification? It's one of uh, the key words in the Christian life. And yes, it may have 13 letters. You have a look, it does. But it is one we do need to understand. For it explains several aspects of what it means to be a Christian. In fact, it's, it explains several vital aspects of what has to happen for you to be a Christian. It comes down to one important issue. Your standing before God. A right standing before God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this. Uh, we have it on the screen. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Justification. Justified. You see it there. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that word justified is what we're honing in on, isn't it? We're putting the lights onto it there. And we're realizing that it's got something to do with faith. That's clear, justified by faith. It's got something to do with that. It also involves this person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's clear as well. It's through Jesus Christ. And it results in, there, in that, that part in the middle, doesn't it? That, that peace with God that it mentions there. Being at peace with God. Being good enough before God. Being acceptable in his sight. Let's think about justification defined, first of all. Justification is defined like this. The gracious act of God in declaring right the sinner who believes in Jesus Christ. The gracious act of God in declaring right the sinner who believes in Jesus Christ. To define this justification, we need to understand why we're not at peace with God in the first place. We need to understand why we are accountable to him and why we warrant a guilty verdict. You see, this is, this is courtroom language. The word justification has got to do with the courtroom. And God is the judge. He is the judge of all the earth, as um, Abraham calls him. We read about this in Romans 3. The whole world is held accountable to God. He said that in verse 19. And that means that we're subject to him. We're, we're accountable to him. And he requires something from us. He requires behavior. You could put it like that. He requires us to live in the boundaries of his good way to live. He requires his human creatures, who he made, with moral compasses and, and consciences, to keep, his, to keep his law. And he's so pure, and, and that, that he's so pure that he requires us not just to keep it, but to keep it perfectly. Adam started well, but Adam fell in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, and, and he fell far. And so do each of his children with him. That's us. That makes this heavenly courtroom legal judgment a no-brainer. It makes it a very clear-cut case. By telling you that the opposite of justification is condemnation, well, that helps us here. For that's how things should play out. 
But, but in one of the biggest shocks of the Bible, this legal ruling, this, this declaration of God means that, that an acquittal has occurred in heaven's courtroom. Instead, people have been let off, as it were. Justification is a one-off. That's important to understand. It's a one-off. It's not a process. It's a one-off. It doesn't get better as time passes. It doesn't get worse. It happens once and that is it. It happens at a point in time. No Christian is any more or less justified than anyone else. No Christian in this room is any more or less justified than any other Christian in this room. You're either justified or you are not. The day one baby believer is just as justified as the saved for 80 years Christian long on the road. It is instant, and in that instant, when one trusts in Jesus, they are given a right standing before God. It is a one-off. It is also a one forever. A one forever. Justification is an, is an unchanging act of God. It's not just a, a one-off, it's also a one forever, because God does it. God settles the sin question in, his, in this action. God gives us a new and right standing before him, and it's decisive like that. As I said, it's the language of the courtroom, and I'm, I'm quite sure you're familiar with um, the idea uh, on the television of there being a guilty man or woman in the dock, and, and their case has been all over the television before on the news, so no one is in any doubt that, that he or she did it. Uh, he's caught on camera. Uh, there's mobile phone records. Uh, there, there's been Google searches on his phone uh, for, um, for stuff that's been used to try and hide the evidence. He's been to a hardware shop and bought something to hide the evidence. You get the idea? Uh, and he's even confessed to the crime. It's obvious. That man is you and I. Guilty. Guilty. And confessing. And yet, God, the righteous judge, declares us not guilty. Now, important for you to understand is that this judge has not had his ear whispered into by someone he needs to please. He's not had his palm crossed with, with silver or been bought off by the bad guys. No, this judge is holy God. He is as far from crooked as you get. He is perfect in holiness. He's perfect in justice. Now, justification is not the same as forgiveness. If if God forgives me and my sins and I go out and, and sin again, then I need to be forgiven again. But justification settles matters permanently and, and eternally and forever. It's not the same as pardon either. Because a pardoned criminal, you know what? They still have a criminal record. But for the justified person before God, there is no record. It's really remarkable what goes on in God's courtroom in the act of justification. Justification means that God both forgets our sins, past, present, and future, and also forgets that we were ever sinners. That's remarkable, isn't it? Because he never treats us as sinners again. Forgiveness and pardon are part of the Christian life, but, but justification is what makes it once and for all that we are right before holy God. It's big, isn't it? 
It's a, it's a one forever because you cannot be justified by the all-powerful actions of the he says it and he will do it, God of heaven, and then be lost. You can't. You could if it depended on me or depended on you, but not if it depends on God. It's a one forever declaration. I heard this illustration that with one significant problem, which we'll talk about in a minute, but fairly well summarizes and explains justification. Let me tell you it. Imagine someone getting the ferry from Dover uh, to Calais for a nice uh, trip around Europe in his car. Now, he's got quite a good car. It's a, it's a Rolls Royce. Things start off well, but suddenly there's a strange noise and the usually reliable car breaks down somewhere in Belgium. And the man rings the helpline back in England to ask for help. And they say, I'm very sorry, sir. Uh, can we please fly a mechanic out to you to sort out the problem? He's going to land in Brussels. He'll come to you very quickly. And so they do that. And in a short time, the car is repaired. And, and he goes on with the rest of his journey around Europe. But of course, as he takes to the open road again, and he's sailing down the autobahn in Germany, and, and, and a thought comes across his mind. What is this going to cost me? Expecting a big bill when he returns home to England, when he gets there and opens the mail, which is piled up a little, he finds absolutely nothing from Rolls-Royce. Now, now he's the sort of person that doesn't like things hanging over him, and so he, he writes to Rolls-Royce a letter to ask what he owes them. And he gets a response a few days later. Dear Sir, there is no record anywhere in our files that anything ever went wrong with a Rolls Royce. That's justification. It's not true. <laughs> That's the problem, right? But you get the idea, don't you? Justification is like that. There's no record of anything ever having gone wrong because God has seen to it. The gracious act of God in declaring righteous, someone who believes in Jesus Christ is like that. That's justification defined. What about justification brought about? We've heard the what, but what about the question of how? How does it happen? There are three phrases in, in Romans uh, which teach us about this. Uh, the first one's found there in verse 23 and 24, which we read. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's by his grace is the first way that justification is brought about. Romans 3 verse 23 and 24. We are justified by God's grace. That again reminds us of the, of the, of the source of all of this. It's, it's God. It's not a matter of earning our crust. It's a matter of gift. Christmas shopping has started earlier than ever, I think, this year with the Northern Ireland High Street scheme with those £100 uh, credit cards coming your way. I wonder, I wonder if you got yours yet. I wonder if you spent yours yet. Maybe you need to think about applying for it. But um, when you get to the big day on December 25th and you're opening your presents, the temptation to lift the phone and ask someone how much do I owe you is not there, is it? No, you don't think like that. 
No, you don't, because it's a gift, and we all know it's a gift, and it's received, it's gladly received, and, and of course, Jesus is the true gift of Christmas, just the same. Through him, we receive, as a gift, our right standing before God. It's by his grace. That's the Bible's way of putting that. It's an act of God's favor. His grace is this justification. Secondly, it's by faith. By faith. Romans 3 uh, verse 28, which we also read, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. You see, when you have a system that's based on the law, then you have to have works because that, that's the way that system would work. Keep the law. But that's not how justification works. It isn't and never has been the deal that if you keep the law, if your works are up to scratch, you're right before God. Now, lots of people live like that, but that is not the deal. Because the reality is that no matter how hard you try, you cannot keep the law. You feel. You slip up. All have sinned, verse 23 said tonight, and fall short of the glory of God. All means all. And you don't just slip up, you break the thing all ends up, if you're honest. God's grace is in play in our salvation, but so is our faith, by faith. And what does that mean? Well, someone has, has explained it like, that, like this. Faith is the hand that re reaches out to accept the gift of God that is offered. And that's really helpful, isn't it? It's not just faith. It's, it's, it's not just faith in anything. It, it, it's belie it's it, you know, believing in, I don't know, yin-yang and aliens or guardian angels. Pe people believe in all sorts of things these days, don't they? It's not just faith in anything or faith full stop. It's, it's faith in the object. It's faith in the one that faith is in. And, that's, and that, that has to be Jesus. That has to be Jesus. Trusting in him and what he's done. Leaning entirely on him as your rescuer, as your saviour. But what about Jesus? Is this, um, is this justification achieved in? How, how does that work? Well, again, Romans is clear in chapter 5, verse 8 to 9. If you want to turn forward a page to that, you can see it. It's by his blood. Romans 5, 8 to 9 says this. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been, there's our word, justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Romans 5, 8 to 9. We have been justified, not just by his grace, by faith, but by his blood. Justification has occurred by his blood. The righteous ruling that we spoke about has been brought about by his blood. Blood is sacrifice language. It's death language. It, it, it's only in his death, that Jesus' death, that we are declared right in God's sight. Jesus has to die, in other words. God doesn't just cancel our debt. That wouldn't be just, and he is just. It is paid for. It is paid for by Christ, and the price is his death. Romans 4 teaches us in similar um, language that, that, that Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. 
very last verse of Romans chapter 4. He was handed over to cruel Roman killers for our sins, because of our sins. And he was raised to life for our justification. He was raised to life for our right standing with God. Justification is a, is a one-off. It's a, it's a definitive act of God where he declares in his courtroom, uh, in the courtroom of heaven, that sinners are right in his sight. It is one-off, but it's also one forever. He never changes his mind and we cannot lose our standing. That, that, gives, us, that gives us serious confidence, doesn't it? That gives us an, an unmovable promise that we can depend on tonight, every night. Every morning, I'm, I'm secure. The court is met. The judgment's been made. It, it's been announced, and God won't ever change his mind. If I come through Christ, I'm good enough. I'm counted as good enough because of his goodness. It's a matter of grace. It's a matter of God's gift to us, and it requires faith. It requires us to believe, to trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. His death and his resurrection are the means by which we are made right in our standing before God. I wonder what your standing is before God tonight. If it is as you were, if it is as you started, then you are under condemnation. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, you need to think about that very carefully. You need to see the dire state of that condition. Don't, don't, please don't blame big words or lack of understanding. I'm stating this clearly. If you don't know and love Jesus Christ, you are lost. That's what the Bible teaches us. But as a Christian, as a Christian tonight, the message is nothing but positive. Because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You are justified by his blood, by his grace. You have received it by faith. You are counted as righteous. Your standing is right in God's sight. And Job, Martin Luther, and John Wesley were able to know that same truth. It's only in Jesus. It's only in him that we are justified. It's a big word, but it's an important one. It's how we're right with God. And that is the most important question. How can I be right with God? Let's pray together. Our Father, help us if we are not right with you to ask the question, how can I be right with God? And may we find the answer as your word teaches us that it's in and through the Savior, Jesus Christ as we receive what's on offer by your grace, as we receive and know and understand his blood sacrifice on the cross is what enables us to be right with you, to be good enough, to be considered perfect. Not perfect, but counted as perfect. Without a record against us. Bless our hearts with this truth those of us who know and love the Savior, and give us that confidence that comes 
from a not guilty verdict found in Christ Jesus that lasts forever. And we pray this in his name and for his glory. Amen. Our uh, final song tonight is um, The Grace of God Has Reached for Me, The Lord Is My Salvation. Let's sing.
let's um, pray. Thank you for the Lord who is our salvation. Thank you for the King of kings and Lord of lords. May he guide us as we go out into this week, Father, and help us to serve him in the places that we find ourselves, to witness for him with the people that you bring across our path with the opportunity to do so. Give us boldness and courage. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and evermore. And the people of God said, Amen.